I'm Matthew Moore, the producer of Undisciplined. Today, we're wrapping up season one and looking back on some of the conversations we've had so far. As Korea and I looked back on the interviews we've had the last few months, one of the threads we found through many of our discussions with the guests of Undisciplined was music. Throughout this episode, you'll hear from folks who talk about the impact music had on them as a way to be an activist, people who play music themselves, and what artists and songs you'll find on their playlists. We hear first from Dr. Scott Brown, a professor at UCLA and Undisciplined's first guest. Scott is a musician himself, a bass player, and his research includes James Ntume, a funk and soul musician who has played a critical role in the creation of the December holiday Kwanzaa, as well as a funk music scene legend from Dayton, Ohio. You're producing music, you're working with the greats in Ohio, you're on stage playing your guitar at conference. Scott, what you doing? What you, what you, you're trying to break the university? No, I am being incredibly undisciplined. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, yes, that's why I love this show because it is exactly what I've been. And sometimes you have to make those U-turns. And the U-turn that I made, I wouldn't call it a U-turn. Actually, I think it's just uh, maybe a, a, a. I went gosh. I went left. And that is, as I was encouraged by people like him too, made to continue making music. I thought about the fact that one area of weakness in African American studies is uh, the tendency to not embrace uh, the arts. And I don't mean the arts as a subject to deconstruct and analyze. I mean the production of the arts, right? So I, as a musician, I'm in a discipline that is about the breadth and depth of the Black experience. And so I want to add that aspect to what I do as a Black Studies scholar. So that is how I kind of started. I began with doing the music for a, a veteran black arts poet. I mean, he's right in there with Sonia Sanchez and with um, Nikki Giovanni and with Amiri Baraka. His name is Kalamu Ya Salam, K-A-L-A-M-U-Y-A-S-A-L. A-A-M, Kalamu Ya Salam, a brilliant elder political commentator and poet. So it was funny, there was a conference on funk that was done around, I want to say 2008 or so, and it was at in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And this uh, scholar named Tony Bolden put this conference together there. And so Kalama was there. I don't know what had gotten into me. I didn't believe that these scholars or these people knew anything about funk. <laughs> so I had a chip on my shoulder. So I brought my bass with me. Oh, oh, I, I brought the my show bass. off. <laughs> and I got down there and I said, look, I got my bass. Can you all get me an amplifier? Oh. And they found an amplifier. And so when Kalama was about to go on stage, I said, hey, I want to jam with you. We got on stage extemporaneously. He read some poetry, and I was doing some funking on the bass. Boom, boom, pop, boom, boom, bang, boom, 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 boom. And he was doing his thing. It's funky in here. And he said, and the crowd was into it. And that's when I said, wow. And so I, I followed up with him when I, I had a fellowship at 
Emory University, James Weldon Johnson Institute. And I wasn't, I was close to New Orleans. So I said, Hey, I like to do some music with you. And he came up with the idea of us going into the studio. We recorded what is now an album called Catfish and Yellow Grits, Spoken Word and, you know, music. And so you can find that on Spotify. You can find that on all digital platforms. And that was the beginning of me. And then my next step was to do my own solo uh, music that I've been writing. I've, I've got a lot of songs I've been when writing. When you go put me years, on your right? album, Scott. Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. You can, you can be on the, the one that's forthcoming. <laughs> I'm we kidding. Got, we got to have a Pan-African flavor to it. You're you not, know, that would be wonderful. You have not heard my hot 16, Playboy. I see. Well, look, even if you're just on the album, just talking on the album, you're going to add some melody to the vibe right there. All right. I won't even need any, I won't even need any auto tune with you, Dr. <laughs> I, I can turn the auto tune off. <laughs> you're traversing these disciplines, um, formerly established in the university. And, you know, you, as you explained, you go beyond that in many ways. You're moving between history and music and sociology and the arts and funk and, you know, and I want to understand the different kind of methodological ways that you get to the questions that you have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, whether it's the music or the diaspora uh, or, you know, how how do you get there in this very undisciplined way that you have all these interests and you're going about it? How do you do that? How do you approach it in your work and in the classroom? Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to start with the last part of your question first, though, because that's really interesting, the diasporic nature of it. If there's anything that is so much the product of the global movement of African people, it's, 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 it's black music from polyrhythm to uh, different instruments that are brought across bodies of water and spaces. So it's so interesting to talk about black music and to see how musicians left to their own devices don't really stake ter- make territorial claims around sound. So whether it be the impact of Bob Marley, whether it be, you know, the interest right now in Afrobeat, you know, black music is just all over the place and it's always going to be very much in dialogue with, with even in time periods we, where we're experiencing bodily bondage, the music still seems to travel around and move in even places when only only driven by our by our spirit and our extreme passion for freedom. So the music leads the undisciplined nature of what of the Absolutely. work. Absolutely. It's it's a language, it's a sword and a shield. So I talk about the diasporic part, but now I get to the methodologies that you want to look into. I was looking, and I should say I am looking to really articulate what it is that's distinctive about an Africana studies approach to music. Because music can be studied in so many different fields. You can 
You can be a music historian. You can be an ethnomusicologist. You can be a musicologist. So what was special that I kind of encountered in my studies of music was that I felt music studies or an Africana perspective that I was looking at engages the question of power. And I got that from interviewing former black music executive, Dick Griffey, who started the Sound of Los Angeles Records. That's a tremendously important record label that gave you the Whispers, Shalimar, Lakeside, Midnight Star, The Deal, and Babyface, all of them in the 80s. That was the Motown of the 80s. What people don't know is that that party music, the resources that that party music generated also went to support Frilimo in their struggle against Portuguese colonialism, went to help the ANC in their battle against apartheid. So it was different from record labels that we think of as political because we tend to think of politics as just in the music messaging. We don't think about what is done with the resources garnered from popular music. What are you listening to these days? What's on your Spotify? Who are you listening to? Oh, wow. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm into now developing playlists on themes. So I have a freedom playlist and it can have, you know, music from any genre that I can find the word freedom uh, in the hook, you know, somewhere. So I have uh, some very interesting combinations. and I'm really interested in how I can make a playlist around a theme that cuts across different styles of music. I'm actually looking at my Spotify playlist right now. I'm looking at my one of my playlists now, and I'll tell you what's in my freedom mix. Mm. I want to be free. Bye. Five Ohio players. Mm-hmm. You know that song? No, Scott. That's okay. Don't judge me. Someday we'll all be free by Donny Hathaway. Okay. Freedom by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Okay. Then I go into some jazz by Abby Lincoln. Okay. Freedom Day. Then I have a song by Jermaine Jackson called Feeling Free. So it goes on. Uh, and why on don't and you on have like Beyonce that. and Kendrick Lamar, Scott? I have a song by Beyonce on the list. Okay, because I, I was about to say there's a little bit of sexism have, going um, on on that Randy, list. Freedom Rings, Lauren Hill, Freedom Time Live. Oh, you know, Lauren is I my favorite. I have Bob Marley and the Whalers, Freedom Time. Mm. I have Jimi Hendrix, Freedom. I have Little Richard. Freedom Blues. As a as an undisciplined man, I was I was expecting you to you know maybe go for the Peter Tosh instead of the I Bob have Marley. I by Pharrell Williams called Freedom. I thought I saw Beyonce. I know I have a Beyonce song in here somewhere, the one you're speaking of. But these are just some of the things in my freedom list, and I have themes like that that I I um, just force myself. To bring as many styles of music together around a phrase. I would think you would put Peter Tosh, I don't want, you know, um, I want equal rights and justice. But see, that, but see I, I forced myself here, it has to have freedom in the title. 
Well, you're you're limiting yourself, Scott, and that goes against everything well, we just discussed. That's, that's right. It's what, and I think that's what's so interesting about the challenge. The limit forces me to find things in places that I didn't expect. Mm, I get it. I get you. But like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have if I didn't do the searches for the titles. I wouldn't end up with those songs. Next, we hear from Dr. Valandra, a professor of social work at the University of Arkansas and the former head of the African and African American Studies program. Valandra is an enigmatic woman, as we've heard. She's a poker player, she loves to ride her motorcycle through the Ozarks, and she's also a talented musician. Could you talk a little bit about your music? <laughs> wow. Okay, sure. Um, let's see. I I um. Or how did you how did you develop this interest and and what do you, you well know, what kind of music do you make? Sure, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll just be. I'll just go straight from the the, the beginning. Uh, I started playing the guitar, uh, acoustic guitar, many 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 years ago uh, because I am a survivor uh, of domestic violence, sexual assault, and couldn't find words to express how I was feeling and so I picked up a guitar and I started just playing um, rhythms that helped me in coping with the feelings that I was having, the anger, the rage, the shame, the embarrassment, all of those things. Uh, and started I started writing songs, uh, eventually started writing songs. I shouldn't say it wasn't right off the bat. Uh, and so it was a um, a healthy coping strategy to deal with trauma, uh, childhood trauma. And over time, um, I don't know what the time period was, but there was a time period in which at, at one time in South Africa, this was during the AIDS epidemic in South Africa, there was this myth going around that uh, having sex with a child was going to be a cure for AIDS. And I reached out to a... Um, organization Childline and told them that I, I was just about to finish uh, the CD of all the songs that I had written. And the CD that I um, did was called Rhythms of My Heart, Healing from Within. And it was all these songs about different ways of coping and healing with many different things, not just, you know, sexual assault. I think there's like one song about sexual assault. But I contacted them and told them that I wanted to um, donate the proceeds uh, the CD to Childline as a way to help support the work that they were doing in uh, helping children and families that had been victims of this myth. Uh, and I, I raised a little about about close to five thousand dollars in CD sales and and promote. Yep, just uh, and and donated it all to Childline. And, and it was another way of promoting healing and recovery and talking about, uh, speaking out, you know, about sexual violence and sexual assault and child sexual abuse. And that's kind of how I got started with playing the guitar and playing music. And I need to play instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I tried the drum because I think, you know, Africa, I would naturally be inclined. And I also started going to therapy, too, though, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> You know, the guitar didn't sustain me <laughs> in dealing with everything. So I, I started going to therapy. And actually, one time I had a I had a dream, 
And I talked about it in therapy. And in this dream, there was a little girl in the backseat of the car who was crying. And in the dream, I turned around to see what she wanted. And I woke up out of the dream. And the therapist told me. It was you? You know, she, well, no, she said she knew that I, that I wrote songs and that I played the guitar. She said, write, write a song for her, you know. Uh, and that's where uh, one of the songs on the CD is uh, uh, a song called Little One. And, it, it's a, and it, it came out of that dream in trying to write a story, write a song to reassure this little girl who was sitting in the back seat of the car crying that she's safe and that I will be there for her. And, of course, it's like uh, she told me it's like some— Inner child. Yeah, my inner child. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so <laughs> I wrote my inner child a song called Little One, and it's on that CD. And that was on the part of that healing journey. And I'm telling you, for me, it's been a lifelong journey. I was in therapy for uh, almost 30 years, and I go back uh, off and on, you know, and there are ways in which I get triggered. And uh, But one of the things that I, I strongly believe in is that I, at some point I decided to show up for me. And I uh, will keep doing that for the rest of my life. I will. Keep you choose showing, you first. Yes, I'm choosing me, and that's... Um, that that's part of a Lord, uh, if that does not need to be a black woman <laughs> message yes <laughs> finally we hear from Osiris Bali Osiris is the racial equity coordinator for Arkansas Public Policy Panel in Little Rock and an artist himself I want to talk about artists and social movements, right? And you know a lot of them. Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, Woody Guthrie, This Land is Your Land, my homie, Harry Belafonte from my homeland, <laughs> Common, Dick Gregory, Jill Scott Heron, Aretha, Mahalia, Bob Dylan, Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke, N.W.A., Bruce Springsteen, Childish Gambino, and you, Mr. Bali. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear my name after hearing all those names. But, uh, <laughs> I got to big you I, up, I, man. I got to big you up. Hey, I'll take it. I thank you. I appreciate it. Much love. Yeah. Well, I mean, the artist and social movement goes together, um, hand in hand, right? We know that... The queen of gospel, Mahalia Jackson, was one of the most powerful voice, you know, during the civil rights uh, movement, befriended MLK um, during the National Baptist Convention in 1956. She would perform her song at many of his speeches in Selma Montgomery, you know, as he was practicing his famous I Have a Dream speech for, at the March of Washington, uh, March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963. She directly inspired that. She performed her number, How I Got Over. I, I can't sing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> she performed that song. She She's reputed um, as, uh, as telling when Mar Martin Luther King had written his speech. And he was, mm -hmm. you know, trying to stick to the script and everything. And, and Mahalia said, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. You know, and King pushed his notes aside and proceeded to tell them 
about, you know, I have a dream about and that, you know, that legendary cadence that we know and all of that. Um, and somebody uh, turned to the person next to, to them and said, these people are here. They don't know, but they're about ready to go up to church right now. Um, you have your own platform that you call Liberation Arts. Could you help sure. us to explain? Because you're falling in the same mold as, as these guys that we just talked about. Uh, like I mentioned to you earlier, like when I was growing up, my first passion uh, was just like, was like the arts really. And um, I just always try to use my art to like express how I feel and to show others like what, I, what was going on when I was, when I was thinking and I was in my head, what's going on with me. And so that's one of the biggest tools that I've used because I'm real big on youth organi- organizing and young adult uh, organizing and involvement and empowerment. And the way that I know how to connect to most people the most is through the arts, through music, through poetry, hip hop, uh, visual art, DJing, dance, theater, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It connects with, it connects with everybody. It's something that we are connected to. But, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I love to stress the importance of how you can take what you're feeling inside and what you want to say to the world and do it artistically and a lot more people will understand where you're coming from just with you using your creativity and so I, I call it liberation arts because for one it helps you know saying you to free yourselves of those those emotions to finally get those those thoughts and those opinions and that and all of that that emotion those emotions out of you but at the same time you help to free people's minds too because they're thinking the same thing you're thinking a lot of times or they, they just don't know how to express it and everybody's art you know you can look at it it's, it's, it's viewed by everybody's own discretion but they see bits and pieces of what they feel inside of your art too as well and so you help to liberate the people through your art because you, you help free people's minds and they get the that freedom to view your art, listen to your art, they get to grow, they get to change, they get to be who they are when they hear or they see what you do. And so that's why I use that platform as liberation arts for me personally, because it helps to inspire the youth. And when the youth get inspired, they can accomplish so much. They can accomplish so much. They they already have so many innovative ways to connect with people, but they they are the people that have the most leisure time out of all of us. You know, they're not they're not uh, locked down to a lot of the responsibilities that we have. So they have way more free time on their hands to actually go out there and do the work and to talk to more people and to, and to get their uh, get their uh, people involved. A lot of times they have built in followers because they go to these schools or they they're in these neighborhoods, and these communities. You know, when you're in college, people enjoy that experience so much because that's the only time in your life you're going to live in a walkable community. And so, you know, when you're in those walkable communities, you connect with different people every day. And the arts are always going to be a part of those communities because it's everywhere. And so I feel like, you know, arts, liberation go hand in hand because arts are going to have a role in every social justice movement. And, and if you look at every movement through history, you're going to see the, the uh, a powerful presence of the arts. When you were starting to make your art, were... What were, you know, the, the your touchstones that kind of sparked your interest? Like, who who did you look to? What other artists did you, you know, um, emulate or who, you know, inspired you? Three artists, music artists that I'd say. I'll just say um, 
a jazz artist by the name of Pharaoh Sanders, saxophonist. Uh, man, just love his music. I love jazz. That's like my my my, my go-to music is to calm down. I love jazz music. I love to relax and listen to jazz. That helps me write. I'm always impressed by people who love jazz. <laughs> jazz, so- is, jazz is it for me. I, I sit and watch jazz documentaries all the time because I just want to hear the music. And I wish I had an opportunity to just go listen live to more jazz because there's so many jazz artists that I want to see that I've never had the opportunity to see because they don't come to Arkansas. So Farrell Sanders, great saxophonist. He, used to play, he, he was in John Coltrane's band, and he's revered as one of the greatest saxophonists in the history of jazz. Nas... One of my favorite rappers. Oh, mine too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nas I used, is my favorite rapper. I used to literally know the words to probably every Nas song at one point. <laughs> so definitely one of my favorite rappers. And, um, um, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I'll just leave it at, at that. Uh, and Jessica Care, Jessica Care Moore, Sonny Patterson, and Ursula Rucker, they're three, three women, three great poets. Mm-hmm. I've had the opportunity to perform with two of them, but Jessica Caremore, Sonny Patterson, and Ursula Rucker love their poetry. Uh, they're like daughters of like Sonia Sanchez and oh. Gwendolyn Brooks. And Sonia Sanchez is the absolute best. Yeah, so it, but these are like her daughters. They they all have like a way with words that you can just feel it when you hear them, you feel it when you read it. And uh, so salute to Sonia Sanchez. She's a really big influence. And I'm done. I can talk about all the artists that I can. I can talk about an hour about all the artists. I love man. We hope you've enjoyed season one of Undisciplined. We've got lots of really great conversations coming your way. Here's a small taste of what to expect. I personally, especially after doing this research, in in some ways agree with the sentiment that systems can't be racist. Now, I'm going to explain. A system to me has no moral quality. It's like fire. A fire can burn your house down or it can warm it. It's all in how it's used. And systems like governments have been used to certain ends because of who's controlling the systems. Everybody is uh, running left and right. Nobody wants to say something about it that will hold them responsible. Nobody wants to say something about it that, uh, you know, later on they will say, but you said this, you know, uh, a few years ago, why are you changing your position today? But what you have to discover with a new virus appearing in the society is that perfection is an enemy of good. You don't have to wait until something is perfect before you actually put a system in place to fight the virus. Whatever thing that you have in place at that particular time to fight the virus, whether it is 10%, 20% effective, use it. I started FinPAC after a girl's trip to L.A. with my best friend. Um, she is a I wear black all the time girl, so she was real excited about buying these white pants and bringing them on the trip. And unfortunately... I do love a good white pants. Yes, she was real excited. She's like, I'm going to run on the beach, you know? She was all excited. And Take then, angel pictures. Yes. And we do have pictures of us on the beach, but then, boom, it happened. It's about relationships. So that's what I sort of preach in my trainings and with my students, that it's all about relationships. You can think about your family and friends, yes, but it's about your peers, your colleagues, your students, 
uh, your constituents, it doesn't matter what career you have, everyone could use more cultural competency. It's just about relating better to people um, who are both similar and different than you are in terms of identities and communities, um, especially now that we live in a very global society. I know everybody says that, but it's true. And the more that we start interacting with people who are different from us, the more cultural competency will help. Undisciplined is hosted by Dr. Karee Banton. Our show is produced by me, Matthew Moore. Undisciplined is a production of KUAF Public Radio.